There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ladies and gentlemen, we are thrilled to be able to bring to you uh, an interview with former St. Louis Rams coach Jeff Fisher. Now, it is my belief that he has not done an interview with a St. Louis outlet, a long-form interview, since the team moved. However, I want to make it clear that I'm not sure that that's the case. And I'm not, listen, I'm not going to be running around touting it in that capacity. But I it like, hey, exclusive, he hasn't talked to anybody, you know, do with it what you want. But my point is I, I haven't heard him and haven't heard him ask the questions that I had a chance to ask him. And, you know, usually we record these things and then we put them up on Sunday slash Monday. Uh, but in this case, we held off because he was scheduled to join us uh, at 1030 on Monday. Many of you are probably listening to this on Monday, September 16th, 2019. Some backstory. Coach Jeff Fisher and I spoke, you'll hear me make reference to it, on the phone, and I think I'm virtually certain, because I can picture where I was when I thought he was coming on, and we were in the St. Charles studios, and we were only there from September 16 um, through August 17, and I remember telling John Seymour, who I was a producer, and only our, uh, it was Seymour and I were the only ones who knew that he was going to be with us, because I knew that if I publicized he was going to come on, that magically he would not come on interpret that how you would want. Um, well, I'll just be direct. I think somebody would tell him not to come on and, uh, and then he may not come on. So I wanted to, uh, increase the probability that he would come on. The time came, the cat and Doug didn't even know he was supposed to be on. And, um, and then unfortunately he didn't pick up and he called me later that night. It turns out he was in Las Vegas for some, uh, I think it was a NFL event of some kind, even though he wasn't coaching and uh, apologized and said he'd be join us the next day, and and then we didn't wind up connecting the next day. But when we talked on the phone the first time, we got into some some great detail on a lot of things, and I was quite anxious to have uh, him on the show to let the audience hear him get into detail on these things. So it didn't happen. Disappointing. But it was an off-the-record conversation. Got to respect the off-the-record conversation and uh, leave the details where it is. And then ideally, at some point, have him on. Well, out of nowhere, uh, to me anywhere, out of nowhere, I told Iggy that I wanted to have him on, but I just figured it wasn't going to happen. Iggy texted me on Friday, Friday being the 13th of September, 2019, that Jeff Fisher is going to join us on Monday. And I'm like, look at this. Where'd this come from? But Pete, Iggy, don't say anything to anybody because then, if it's known, then magically, perhaps... Uh, something or someone will tell him not to do the show. Well, we kept it to ourselves, didn't say a thing about it, and we got Coach Fisher on, which we were putting at about a 50-50 play. And then we also put it at about a 50-50 play that he would talk about relocation. Well, I knew I was going to discuss it. It was just a matter of he was going to discuss it. And then I'll leave it up to you to interpret what you thought of what he had to say about it. 
And I'm not going to get in the way of it any longer. I'm just going to say, here he is, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am here. He's on the phone in Nashville. Ladies and gentlemen, former Rams coach, Jeff Fisher. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to catch up with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to hear you back in St. Louis, this is uh, this is outstanding. So what are you, I, I was under the impression you were going to get into broadcasting this year. Are you into broadcasting? What are you doing? No, I'm not, as a matter of fact. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I did a game last year uh, for Fox. I did, uh, let's see, it was the New York Jets at Jacksonville late September last year. So I did one and you know, I enjoyed the experience. I'll tell you what was interesting was the game was over and you come down the elevator from the press box and you get in the car to head to the airport and I didn't win or lose. It was a weird feeling. So, I <laughs> but anyway, I did, I did that. And, you know, I've been doing a few things here and there, just kind of studio stuff where people have some questions they needed to answer, but no, I have not made any commitments. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself, you know, for 30 years, I, you know, your whole fall was spent, you know, 24-7 from, you know, June to, you know, January busy. And I've just been very fortunate to enjoy the last couple of falls. And it's just, it's an amazing time of the year, by the way, because I'm the only one that missed it. But it was really fun. So I'm spending my time between uh, – most of my time in Montana. I currently right now, presently, I'm in – in Nashville, I was honored yesterday. Um, I got a chance. I was invited by uh, the Titans to participate in the uh, the retirement of the of the jerseys of Steve McNair and Eddie George. So, uh, at halftime ceremony and a losing effort to the Colts yesterday, I was there and got to be reunited and, and just be around some of the. The, all the players from those that era, you know, the, the ones you're familiar with, the Kevin Carters, mm-hmm. Kevin Dysons, and to the you know the Chris Johnsons, and the, you know the the Lindell Whites, and all, everybody. So it's really neat to be around everybody and spend the time with Steve's family, as with Michelle and and their boys, and then of course Eddie and his family. So it was really it was a highlight yesterday. Was, you know, I really enjoyed the moment. I listened to your interview, but did, did about what hour, hour and a half with Clay Travis uh, came out a few weeks ago, enjoyed hearing that and all, and really the Steve McNair element of it and how fond you were of, of so many of those players and your time in, in Nashville. Um, what is it like to go back there and then see those guys? I realize you left there, what, following the 2010 season, if I'm not mistaken? That was my, yes. Last year. was off and I came to St. Louis. In okay. So 10 was the last. So, you know, it, it's it's a special place. Um, you know the, you know a, after leaving in ten, um, you know it was one of those things. It was a commitment, and I, I expressed this to Clay. Was a, you know, I made that commitment to myself. Where you know, if for some reason I love coaching, but if for some reason there's every morning where you wake up and you just can't can't look forward to going to work and you need to get out and things got tough i mean they got tough here and you know with mr adams and his age and just and i just felt you know what i need a break so but anyway nonetheless uh you know the the being reunited yesterday with everybody after you know a few years was was really cool and um you know it just it's a reminder of, of at least to me uh why i love doing what i'm doing and it's all about the players it's the relationships, uh, uh, the joy yesterday to see Adam Jones, 
of all people in such a good place in his life now that he's retired. Uh, it just it was just you know because there was a obviously a, a young man that you know realized that he it was more important to him to spend spend his time after midnight than it was on the field and. <laughs> You know, Adam just he, he finished strong in his career, but that's the thing that you miss is, is the players and developing players and watching young players come in the league and and become pros and and then become successful after their careers. I heard you talking with Clay and talking about how you'd only watched Super Bowl thirty four one time. When you get together with those guys, I, I can't imagine it's necessarily. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is discussed. But it's been almost 20, 20 years now. How does how does that impact you, and how do you think it impacts those guys? Well, I, you know, the, the big thing about that is, you know, these guys all made the sacrifice, and they paid the price, and they worked hard together to get to that point. And then they go about their lives, uh, and then when they all come back together for a moment like this yesterday, it's a special feeling. There's a sense of closeness there. Uh, you know, even though it was 20 years ago and, you know, I wasn't around them, uh, you know, the entire day, but, you know, I'd, I'd venture to say that these guys, a lot of memories came back, you know, when, when you're around, when you're away from somebody that you're familiar with and you get back together with them, the memories are rekindled. And I'm sure that that took place for a lot of the guys yesterday. So when, when you think of your time in St. Louis, just in broad, I say St. Louis, and I know when we talked, um, I guess it was like a year and a half ago. I feel like it was right around Super Bowl week uh, in 2016, 17, 17, I think it was, that you still had a house in St. Louis. Do you still have a house in St. Louis, or is that uh, now? No, no, I found a buyer. Yeah, it was great. We had a really good deal. I found a nice, outstanding buyer for the house. You know, I was out in Wildwood and loved the, loved the area, loved the community. Love St. Louis. I mean, I've always loved St. Louis, and you know, obviously, you know, it's a you know, it's a business uh, decision, and you know, there a lot went into it. But from a personal standpoint, I'm talking about the re- the whole move and the relocation. From a personal standpoint, I love the St. Louis fans. I love the people. I've been fond of St. Louis since since the first time I probably played there when I was with the Bears, and. And uh, I'm familiar and close to the Shannon family, Mike Shannon. And I, I played college ball with Tim and mm-hmm. now Aaron having married Greg. I stay close with the family. So, you know, the ba- St. Louis Cardinal baseball and, you know, I mean, I'm fond of that. And I'm a St. Louis fan. And just to have to pick up in the middle of the night and leave, you know, wasn't easy. Wasn't easy on me personally, but it was the business side of it. So uh, let me go, let's go back to 2012. And you, I, I recall this, so you have an opportunity at the very least, I'm aware of the Miami opportunity with the Dolphins and of course the Rams opportunity. But I would imagine, you know, Jeff Fisher with the resume you had going into that year, you're taking off there might've been more opportunities than just Miami and St. Louis. Those are the ones that were reported by multiple outlets. So take me back to the off season of, uh, I guess, January, 2012 coach and, and, and what you're looking at and what you like and, and why you decided to, to make the decision you did. Well, to come yeah, to I mean, there, there was a lot going on. I mean, I made the commitment that I wasn't going to talk to a club unless, uh, until they had made their decision, a couple of clubs that reached out to me, um, before the season ended, and you know, and that and that day, you just had respect for the coach that was in the position, and you just don't talk to people until they have a, 
a spot open. Well, you know, I kind of, as things settled down, I just narrowed it to two, uh, and it was Miami and St. Louis. And, uh, you know, in in this world, I think things will always remain the same. What you're looking for, uh, you know, to have a chance to be successful, you've got to have a good owner and you got to have a quarterback. And uh, that was uh, what drew me toward, to both Miami and St. Louis, since obviously the, the quarterback situation in Miami was uh, was not settled. But, I mean, I I was really excited about the opportunity to, to, to join and to work with Sam Bradford and, uh, and Stan, Stan being more of an absentee owner, but Stan understands sports, uh, despite uh, the pains of some of the listeners maybe, but I felt, and I'd known Stan, um, and so it was a perfect scenario for me. So I knew it was going to be a, a major rebuilding task. Uh, no one had lost more games in a five-year span than the Rams did prior to me getting there. And, you know, coming off the 2-14 and 14 season, I knew we had some work to do, but I was excited about the challenge. And, you know, despite the fact you, you can only do so much in an offseason, we got things turned around, and you know we were four and one and one in that division, uh, and and twelve, and and uh, ended up seven eight and one with that tie that the 49ers out there. So we got things going, and then you know of course you know next year Sam tears his ACL, and then comes back the following year re tears it, and so you know that was a major setback uh, from a rebuilding standpoint was just the fact that. Uh, we didn't have didn't have a quarterback. So then, you know, for for two years or three years, and despite the fact I really really enjoyed my relationships with Sean Hill and Austin Davis and Kevin Clements, they started you know close to 25 games for us over over a period of time. And it's just hard to win unless you have a league quarterback because you can look around the league. So um, you know, and then of course it was time to pick up and move. And, and anyway, the rest is history. We yeah. don't need to revisit that, but. We did a good job putting that team, putting the team together, and uh, they're benefiting from it now. And I, I'm happy for the players, and I was happy for their run. And and uh, personally, because you know, I know I had a hand in, in, in those players that were on that roster. But uh, you know, you move on, and so you know, we've moved on. I'm enjoying myself and, and enjoying the falls, and you know, uh, I loved outdoors as well documented, and you know, I've done a lot of fly fishing and. You know, I, right now I can honestly say I think I've caught enough fish for the time being, I, and uh, you know I want to get back on the sideline someplace. So you are looking to get back into coaching? I would love to, yeah. And, I, and I'm I'm fortunate um, in that I don't have to, uh, but I want to. It's, it's where my my passion is, where the joy comes from, where the competition comes from, and and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm I'm not uh, you know, breaking my back to try to get in, but. I do, you know, yesterday was a really fun, uh, it was a good reminder of what coaching is all about, just developing relationships and helping young athletes uh, discover themselves and helping them to unfold and, and to reach potential that they, you know, they never even realized. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I think about when I go back to when you came here, there was still like a divide as to whether or not Sam Bradford was was the guy. And then obviously the defense had to be tended to. So let's start with Bradford. What did you see? Is your deciding between Miami and St. Louis at the very least um, with, with Sam Bradford? Well, you know, even though we were not in the quarterback market per se in Tennessee uh, when Sam came out, 
I did do the work and I, did, I spoke to a number of people that were and I'll never forget, you know, be it Mike Shanahan or Mike Martz or whomever that evaluates him coming out of Oklahoma, just said that, that you know, these, these guys come around once every 10 years, this arm and this ability and the release. And, and uh, so I knew that, you know, trusting them, that Sam was was potentially the guy that could do a, do a lot of good things for you. So, that you know, that was the, that was the you know, deciding factor was, and then, then you know, it's it's how quickly can you put good people around them? And you know, we um, had you know kind of a, a inherited a roster that was you know in flux, and you know just the the, the running back situation. Having an opportunity to come in there with Stephen there, I just admire Stephen from afar for so many years. And mm-hmm. uh, Jackson, uh, I'm, I'm referring to mm-hmm. just you know Stephen. Then you know then you just start putting that team together, and then you know of course. You know, we scratch and claw and fight, and we're competitive. And you know, we won seven games that next year, tied one, and so felt like that we were on the right track. And so that was the, really the deciding factor with Sam. And and then also immediately they 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 tend to the defense like a month and a half after you decide to come to the Rams, you bring a guy who had been with you for a number of years, um, in Cortland Finnegan, who signed on March thirteenth, two thousand twelve, uh, with the Rams to tend tend to the defense. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, those guys you're familiar with. I mean, yeah, I also, we also brought Will Hayes in, who, who was, a, who was a, a big factor for us there. Uh, and then, you know, with, with Chris Long being on the roster and James and the rest of the guys that were there, uh, we, you know, we felt like we had the pieces in place to at least be competitive. But you're always going to be adding, you know, players, be it through the draft or through – for agency for agency now becomes probably more important than the draft in my opinion but um so we did that and we drafted well we made the trade with washington and you know we drafted some players and they turned out to be real good players and they're still playing and when, you know Kinoris jenkins Jermaine johnson or Alec Ogletree, or i even watched rodney mcleod come off an injury uh, from last year and, and play well for the Eagles. So we had some good players. We do, we drafted and developed some good players while we were there. So w- while this whole process is, is going on in St. Louis, you're also having to navigate the discussion about relocation. How difficult was that for you and how difficult was it for the team? Well, I've been through it before. Um, and so I, I understood that, you know, what, how difficult it is and where, you know, in the National Football League, believe it or not, the one thing that will will cripple a sideline, a team, a locker will be distractions. Whatever it is, whether it's on field, off the field, but distraction is what it is. I mean, it basically will, will take your attention off the task at hand, and and relocation is a huge distraction. It's not easy, but fortunately for us, I mean, it you know it was there, it was looming, but it wasn't a real big factor until, you know, we got the word that, hey, look, uh, we're going to shut the place down and we've got to be out to California in a couple months. That in itself was not easy. Um, You know, as you, you you know, you can appreciate that, you know, everybody in the organization has has roles and duties and responsibilities and uh, and they must do them, uh, you know, beyond uh, their capabilities to be successful and then you add the, that, that, you know, that, that situation circumstances where, hey, you know, you need to get your family out here. We're going to set you up an office here. You need to keep working and not, you know, and, and things just 
they sometimes slip between the tracks, the cracks when you're trying to get relocated, and they did so. I mean, we we weren't able to teach some key free agents, and but you know we continued to to build that team, and I thought I thought when I left the team, and you know at the end of the 16 season uh, or 15 rather, that um, you know this team was in a position. Uh, someone brings you know the young quarterback along appropriately, the team would be in position to win a lot of games, and. Guess what? We're right. Yeah, Jared Goff is uh, speaking for himself with what he has been able to do so far. With regard to, to to what transpired here, as you can imagine, Coach, I think this is the first time St. Louisans have had a chance to to hear from you. Not that you've gone into hiding; you've 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 made yourself available, and and if anything, have become quite entertaining on Twitter. So you're out there, um, and and but people want to hear from somebody who who went out of his way. I you know I remember they had the thing at the forum when you guys went to Los Angeles. Uh, and and you went out of your way even there to thank the fans of St. Louis and say, you know, I, I understand this has to be difficult. I felt like you and Todd Gurley specifically uh, went out of your way, and I think a lot of people appreciated that. But for people in St. Louis to, to hear your perspective, it certainly is helpful, I think. And and so along those well, lo- go ahead, go ahead. You know, I was going to say what's lost in the relocation is the fans. Um, and that because I went through it before, I and mean, I I've watched these just lifelong diehard Houston Oilers fans, I mean the love from the Love You Blue days, just lose their team, and it's difficult. And I'm you know from that experience, you know, which is out of the coach's control. I mean, if a coach had his way, he wouldn't want to move. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, my experience in, in Nashville, I mean, you know, we play, I mean, over my career now, I coached two franchises in five different cities and six different stadiums. You know, that's not easy. And so, uh, you know, if a coach had his, his brothers or, or, or his wishes, he'd want to stay in one place, but, you know, it's out of the coach's hands. And then, so you can't, from my perspective, or what I've been through twice, you can't let it be an excuse. You just got to go on and, you know, you, you know there's going to be some difficult times. You're losing games you probably shouldn't. I mean, when San Diego moved from San Diego through two hours north to, to L.A., they would start off on four. as a four-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So it's not an easy thing, and nor is it going to be easy for Oakland when they make the make the you know transition. But I mean, the, the most the, the the people that are affected the most are the it's the fan base. It's the you know, it's not only the you know the moms and dads and the you know the older fan base, but they've raised their kids to be fans, and now all of a sudden they wake up one morning, their team's gone, and and what what other choice to have other than to be bitter? Yeah, it's not. It's just it's part of the pro sports uh, business. It's part of the industry. Know, you know, you hope it doesn't happen again. It probably will, but. Uh, you know, it's just very, very difficult on fans. And I haven't been through that experience, you know, already once in my career. I knew what they were feeling, and, and it's hard. I mean, it's like, you know, going through the St. going to the Nashville, the whole thing to move to Nashville, you know, the players and the staff and the people in the organization, they're like kids in a divorce, you know. you you, you got to stay right down the middle. It's hard. They're you know, getting pulled by mom or dad or what have you, and, you know, in this case, it was two different cities. You got the, the St. Louis that doesn't want to let you go, that wants to keep, hang on to you because they love you. And you got a, a whole new fan base out there that 
you would like to think they can't wait till you get there. So it's a difficult set of circumstances, and I, I fell for the St. Louis, you know, rampage. The thing that's always bothered me, I think at the, at the forefront, now I'm a native St. Louis, and so obviously, you know, there, it'd be disingenuous to act like I don't have strong feelings about it and, and bias. But the one thing that really stands out to me, and, and this is really more of a statement, if you want to pick up on it and run with it, feel free. If not, it, it can stand on its own. But I really disagreed with the premise that this wasn't a good football market, that these weren't good football fans, that this was a baseball town. Because as I recall, and you played the Rams in 99 during the regular season, beating the Rams in 99 in Nashville, and then again, of course, in the Super Bowl. And from 99 through 2003, the Rams were in charge of this market. There were a variety of circumstances that contributed to what we saw toward the tail end. And and so, therefore, to label St. Louis as a bad football market because it lost two franchises in 30 years, I, I know, and you might know, too, that that's inaccurate, but that's what our market right now, that's what our region gets labeled with. And I and that part, more than anything, I get Stan Kroenke wanting to move from a business standpoint. That's business. He has the right to do it, in his opinion, whatever. But to label our hometown as a bad football market and bad football fans, that, that one pissed me off, Coach. Well, I don't know who put that label on the fans there. Well, Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff, when they when they were uh, issuing their statement before the day of the vote, that's when it came out. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, you know, I didn't have anything to do with that, nor did you, nor did the fans. And, and I can just speak from experience that they are great fans. I mean, let's just go back. Was it two years now? Did you guys not have a major PGA event? Yeah, the PGA in, Championship. In, in, Brooks Koepka okay. called it one of the best golf tournaments he's ever been a part of. Okay, so so does that say, uh, if that doesn't say anything about the St. Louis sports fans, nothing will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great sports town. Just won a Stanley know? Cup they three months die. ago. They live and die with their teams, the loyalty. I mean, it's deep-rooted loyalty now, and that's what's, that's what required and unfortunately you know they got ripped out from underneath you but um you know uh, what, what about your hockey team yeah stanley I mean, cup on. <laughs> you know yeah i mean who you know, no granted I'm, I'm a preds fan you know because i was a barry Charles fan but you know once the preds about jumped got out i mean uh, i was i was screaming in my living room <laughs> the blue so you know it's a great sports town and uh, you know the just the the cardinal fans yeah my dear assistant that was the coach's assistant that worked for a lot of head coaches, including Coach Verdell, she was, I mean, the only distraction she had, if I knew that something might not get done on a daily basis because the Cardinals were playing. <laughs> she loved the Cardinals, and, she, and she's still to this day. And so I know that there are so many people like her that that just are, you know, have been born and raised and, you know, will – uh, forever uh, be St. Louis sports fans. And I think it's just a tribute to, to the whole town, the city, and the whole area yeah. uh, you know, of, of St. Louis. So I'm curious, with, with, with regard to how difficult it is to try to coach a team when you're dealing with what you dealt with in Houston, and then it was Memphis, by the way. It's not like you guys shot right to Nashville and the stadium was ready. You had to, de- you had to navigate through Memphis, and then you had to play in Vanderbilt, right, Vanderbilt Stadium. That's correct. And then you yeah, got then we you got two to, days. We were yeah, we were two years in Houston and after the stuff started. So so, you know, all told, you know, it was the it was a, the, all that stuff came up in ninety five and mm-hmm. so we had six, seven and eight 
you know, six in Houston and seven in Memphis and eight in, in Vandy. And then it wasn't until 99 that we moved in the stadium. And so, uh, yeah, it was a tough road. But, you know, the only thing that we could do is what we knew. only thing we knew, and that was to build a football team. And, uh, and that's what we did. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's that was the same approach that I took there at St. Louis as well. You know, set all these outside, these external things aside. We're going to play someplace. We don't know where it's going to be. We don't know where we're going to train, when we're going to move. But bottom line is let's do our best to try to put together another uh, competitive, another championship type of football team. And, you know, I'll step aside and feel like I had a hand in that. And uh, so and did the best I could under the circumstances. And, you know, hey, you move on. So, so you, you get you get the interview in St. Louis in 2012, and does Stan Kroenke ask about the relocation process and it being relevant to the potential for you getting the job in St. Louis? No, I don't. I, there was, you know, he there was a, a point in the in, a, in our visit, which lasted over a weekend, where the you know the discussion came up with that that always comes up, and you know, Stan wanted Stan wanted. To, he wanted to hire the best available person to run his football team along with Kevin, and I happened to be that guy. So I wasn't hired because I had, in my opinion now, I, because I I had moved a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be. I'm just joking now, please. I'm joking, but I wouldn't be surprised if I got a golf and Gruden for a couple tips once they start to move, because I've done it. I mean, I'm the only person that's ever moved two franchises and so uh, and then you know of course you know what happens is you, you know I, I can't if i can't give you the number but there's a there's there's wins and losses associated with relocation i mean you go back to history and you look at the colts or the browns and things like that it's difficult uh and there's a you know there's a you know, there's a downswing in, in wins uh, just because of what you're trying to accomplish. But you know, we got a, we we got. Uh, I think in both cases, I can look back and say, uh, I, both teams were relevant. They improved during the process, and you know, hey, uh, when it's all said and done, you know, I got my job done despite uh, the difficulties. So when you were talking with DeMarco Farr and Keyshawn Johnson, you said, I was very fortunate to have some options. I decided on L.A. or St. Louis at the time, knowing that there was going to be a pending move. More importantly, I took the job because of Stan and because we had a quarterback in Sam Bradford. That's how you win in this league with a good owner and quarterback. So Stan gave me the opportunity to answer your question. I'm disappointed, but I didn't win enough games. I get that part. When people heard that, Coach, or, or they just read it, as I just did, they're like, oh, does that mean he knew in 2012 that the team was moving to Los Angeles? And this is an opportunity here to be able to ask you that directly. What's your response to that? No, it didn't come up. Uh, I, I did not sit in front of Stan and have a discussion. Well, hey, you know, we're probably going to be out of here in two or three years if I can make things work out there. That, that did not come up. This thing came up quickly. Um, you know, obviously, you know, at the end of that, that final year there in St. Louis, uh, you know, the rumors started and, uh, you know, now you got the attorneys involved and all that stuff and stadiums and all this thing, same things that I went through in, in Houston. And so then you knew, you know, and then I got the call from Kevin in, in January. It was, you know, how do you want to be Los Angeles Rams next head coach? And I said, well, I <laughs> Yes, of course I do. 
I like my job. So we're, we're going to work. Let's go. Oh, so so you did not so you did not know until January of of 2016 after the vote. Well, that's when that's when the thing became official. Now things were you know things were percolating, things were going on behind the scenes, and but again, you know, as, can you imagine the, there's not enough hours in the day for a head coach to get work done, let alone spend time in those areas. I mean, your focus is on players, on injury, on winning, on trades, on draft, all those staffing and all those things. And so let them take care of the other stuff. And so uh, to answer your question, no, I didn't coach, you know, two or three years in St. Louis knowing that we were going to be going to L.A. I coached in St. Louis because I wanted to bring a, a, you know, winning team back to the fans there. Okay. Cortland Finnegan said uh, he was not surprised when the team moved. He said, I knew it was coming two, three years ago. They had already said it was going to happen. We knew. Uh, He said, uh, Coach Fisher said that two or three years ago. I think that's the reason he stuck with it, because he knew, because they knew they were going to make that transition to Los Angeles. Well, there, I mean, there's talk. I mean, the talk was taking place for three or four years. So when you have talk and speculation, you have a topic. And I think that's what he's referring to. But if you're trying to get me to say to the listeners that I knew when I took that job, no, I didn't. Um, I, you know, uh, I can't say I would have turned the job down had I known at that moment that they were going to be moving. Because, again, these jobs are, are, are few and far between, and they're hard to find, especially when you got a quarterback. But... Um, you know, these things come up. I mean, the thing came out of, out of left field, in my experience, in, in Houston. I mean, just, just overnight, and it was that was the topic. That was the discussion. And all of a sudden, we're lame duck. Yeah. They come up. But, uh, you know, no, the players, the players who've been around, that have been in different facilities, knew that, you know, the Edward Jones Dome did need some work to become current again. It was it was not a current facility, and it needed work when those when the Coltons and those guys came in. But you, you know, so that is probably uh, on the forefront of their minds as well. Yeah, we all agree that the dome needed some work. And again, I was not there when the dump, all the stuff was done. It was built, and the lease and all those things were done by John Shaw and and the, and the city of St. Louis. But you know, the bottom line is is that hey, look, I'm a ball coach, and I'm gonna I'm gonna coach the guys that are standing in front of me every day the best I can, and try to figure out a way to win a ball game. Yeah, the thing that I would imagine has to be tough if I'm in your shoes, and you and here you are, only 61 years old, uh, and and want to coach again, is that what I think perhaps is a perception is oh well, Jeff Fisher couldn't win with the Rams, Sean McVay comes in, and now look at them, but as you keep mentioning, you built you played a role at the very least. I don't know who could dispute that in building the foundation for the team that won the NFC last year. And, and at this point off to a good start in, in 2019, but you, you have to, as you made reference to, we, we don't have an analytic to track it, but there certainly has to be a negative value associated with uh, discussing relocation and then actually going through relocation. And so you do grind through it and you get the team over to Los Angeles and it's a bad season um, and then you get whacked in December of 2016. And what, like it was like, what, 10 days after you'd signed a two-year extension? Odd circumstances. 
Yeah, I mean, things were, yeah, they were odd. And I can, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. I decided a few years ago not to waste my time and trying to figure out what I could have done differently or what have you. But, you know, the, here's the way you look at things. I mean, I had a great career. I had a long career in the National Football League. And, and if you're in it long enough, then, you know, as people say, you're going to see a lot of things that you didn't think, a lot of different things on a day-to-day basis, on an annual basis. And if you're in it long enough, you know, at some point, um, you know, you're going to get ushered out the door. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, I just look at that as uh, as a result of the choice I made, uh, the career choice, choice I made. Um, no, I don't agree with, you know, I know what happened out there. I know who was hurt and who we were doing what dealing with. And, you know, I mean, I, I tried um, at the end of our year prior to the, the first year out in, in L.A., to make offensive changes uh, i needed i needed to upgrade uh the offensive staff and and i not mention any names but there were some notables that i had conversations with that would have loved to come to work for me but didn't want to go through the move and so you know but that's all part of it you know that that's just, just what happens but again you know if you're the rams you look back oh yeah was, was it worth it oh yeah they were the super bowl last year Okay, if you're me and I look back, was it worth it? Yeah, you know, I had a great experience. I got to be around some great uh, St. Louis Ram fans and live in a, a, a place that you want to live in. Uh, I wanted to live in St. Louis. I made a lot of great friends and gave it my best shot. And, you know, it didn't work out there. And then, of course, it didn't work out in LA. And you move on. You can't dwell on it. No, I, I it just, it's, it strikes me as just bizarre because I saw the whole thing starting up like a couple weeks beforehand. Like there were anonymous sources saying this and I'm like, Oh my God, they're setting them. I can tell they're setting them up. They're setting them up to be the guy to, to be the sacrificial lamb. We got to blame somebody because we can't fall behind in the LA market with first off you're in LA. And so people aren't going to be locked in on sports anyway, but you got the Lakers, you got the Dodgers and we're trying and we're trying to get an, a foothold here and we've got to, we've got to do something. And I'm like, here we go. And then sure enough, 10, I think it was, I think it really was like 10 or 12 days after you signed a two-year extension, you got whacked. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is incredible. Well, anyway, I, yeah, I mean, I, I believe me, I went through it. <laughs> I was the one that went through it. And, and you know, I'm okay with it. It just happens. You know, it happens. When, when you know, when I want one over the last couple of years, when you watch guys like Gurley and, and Donald and, and Jared and, you know, the rest of those guys on that team, and even the guys that are no longer there. I mean, the Alec Ogletrees and Janoris Jenkins and, and those guys and that have gone on uh, and been successful. We know what we're doing. You know, uh, we did. We knew what we were doing from a staff standpoint. We, we, we drafted well. Um, you know, we signed free agents, and, and um, we did what we needed to do to, you know, to, to build that team. understand everything you say i had uh, there was a sense of uh, accomplishment in that knowing that you know what i, I thought Aaron Donald was going to be a really good player in this league you know and so is todd and so is you know jared and you know just watching last night i mean what better choice do we have trading to one and you know putting ourselves in a position where we had to decide between between jared and carson mm-hmm. and that's a 
great problem to have, but you got to decide on one of them. And so we did. And so, um, you know, again, you know, you just you kind of move on. I mean, this this thing was brought up to me, you know, just several weeks ago. And I'm just repeating what was stated here, because I get anytime you you say something on the air, there's always uh, the other side, the other opinion. But you know, it's the most losses in NFL history. Well, if if you're a head coach for 20 years and you go 10 and six. Ten to six is a pretty good record. You go ten and six for twenty years, you're going to have the most losses in NFL history. <laughs> and and that's kind of what what I got caught up in. And then you add the fact that yeah, I did. I coached two franchises, five cities, six different stadiums. That's not easy. There's going to be some ups and downs. And you know, fortunately for me, my experience here in, in Tennessee was that you know, with respect to ownership, we were settled. You know, hey, we had some injuries. We had an off year. We got healthy. We came back. And guess what? Our quarterback was the co-MVP, and we went back to a championship game. So, you know, stability in the National Football League, if you look around right now, is important. Okay? As Andy Reid and, and Bill Belichick and, you know, uh, Sean and, uh, you know, who look around the league. Who's who's winning games and who's just there every year? I mean, look at Baltimore. You know, it's uh, you know, it's the teams that it's like a Miami team. And with all due respect to Mr. Ross, how many changes have they made? You know, since 2010. I mean, you know, you go through GMs and you go through head coaches and you change your philosophy and you go from where the GM has ultimate say, then you go to the head coach to say in personnel, then you come back to GM. You know, you're just always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get over the hump. And so stability in the National Football League is really, really important. And, and you know, unfortunately for the St. Louis football fans, there's now stability in the Ram organization and they're going to be good for several years to come. You said you wanted a coach again. Do you think you will get that opportunity? You know, that uh, I don't know. I, I didn't forget how to coach. Um, uh, you know, I, I love the game. I stayed up with the game, current with the game. I'm not ruling out, the, you know, the college opportunities if they come up. I spent a lot of time last year or so in the college game. The bottom line is is I love the game. I love the fall. I love the sideline. And I, I, I miss the players. Uh, yesterday was an all too good reminder of that. You know, the, the Ram players that that have, for whatever reason, no longer with the organization, even some are still there. I still hear from them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like it's that, that father figure that you become where they, over time, they begin to trust you. And, uh, you know, that's the type of thing. If I could change the life of one player, save a life or a career, or convince one player to, to, you know, protect his investments and his money and, and live a lifestyle, not a, not one that's, you know, promoted by the NFL, but one that's, that, that's uh, you know, comes from a common sense perspective, then you know what? Getting back into coaching was worth it to me. Yeah. Talking over with Jeff Fisher here on the Tim McKernan Show. All of our sponsors make these interviews possible. What, Jeremy Macklin last week? Had Pat Maroon a couple of times. John Kelly, Joe Buck. These are our guests over the last few weeks. So subscribe to this show. Get on board with this program. 
Uh, we have great guests every week, and it's from politics, it's from media, it's from sports, it's from entertainment. Take your pick. Uh, subscribe to the program. It's the Tim McKernan Show on iTunes. Give it a positive review if you would. And, uh, and, and, and support our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly is a wonderful sponsor of this presentation. If you are buying a home or if you are refinancing a home, how about right now with the interest rates and then home values? It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Capitalize on it. Capitalize on it with a refi. And it'll take you about five minutes if you go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Capitalize on this situation. And Ryan Kelly is the person to help you do so. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com. He is our studio sponsor, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And our guest sponsor is Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I've gotten to know Mark. And I can tell you that he's a first-class guy. And I can also tell you, you make the phone call to him or you just go online at evergreenstl.com and set up an appointment with him. You're immediately going to start feeling better about your current wealth situation because now you're taking the first step and then he's going to help you get to the goal. Whatever your goal is, everybody's goal is different. You can call him at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. He's Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. You want to be organized. You want to have your goals in place and then someone to help you get there. There's no one better to do that than Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I like James so much that I made the switch to James myself. So I'm speaking firsthand now. So I can tell you firsthand that my experience with James Carlton has been incredibly positive. And that's when you're dealing with some negative stuff. You're calling your insurance guy. Things aren't going right. We had a flood in our basement and James and his staff took care of everything. And he still checks up on it. 314-961-4800 to go online at carltoninsurance.net. Support the sponsors. Without the sponsors, we wouldn't be able to get you the guests that we get you. We wouldn't be able to do questions from the audience and the Pick 6 podcast all on the Tim McKernan Show. Now back to our guest, former Rams coach Jeff Fisher. If I ask you for your favorite memory of your time with the St. Louis Rams, what would it be? Well, I think it was from day one when I was introduced. Um, you know, it was the reception that I got because I was the that other coach. You know, I was walking in the building and seeing pictures of Kevin Dyson trying to reach for the goal line, uh, knowing that I was that other guy. <laughs> that was a favorite memory for me. And the fact that – now, keep this in mind, okay? I grew up – one of the things I think that is overlooked is that I grew up in L.A. On my first professional – game that I went to. Dad took me to the Coliseum. I watched the Rams play the Philadelphia Eagles. I can tell you that Kenny Eyman was a center and Tom Mack was a left guard and, and uh, Joe Shabelli was the other guard and Billy Truax was the tight end. Jack Snow was, you know, I knew that team. I grew up. I was a youngster that went through that ex- first time experience of walking into a stadium and looking around and going, oh my gosh, this is amazing to be, you know, we all remember the first time yeah. that whomever it was that took us into a stadium, uh, whether it's high school or college or pro, you remember that. So I was a Rams fan. I mean, I was truly a Rams fan. And to be able to become part of that, you know, that history and that legacy was really, really cool for me personally. 
I mean, the you know, the Jack Youngbloods and, the, you know, the you know, Jackie Slaters and the Dryers and just all those players and the guys that, you know, I have run into over time and the guys that we honored while we're in St. Louis, the, you know, the old guard, the, you know, and St. Louis had a different legacy. You know, you had the St. Louis Rams and the Kurt Warners and the biggest, best show on turf versus the old Rams and the Youngbloods and those guys. And, you know, just to t- be able to tie that together and see those guys interact was a really cool experience for me because deep down and I was a, a Rams fan as a kid. Yeah, I didn't get that opportunity and then come here as the head coach. People were fired up, man. When you got that job, people were fired up. They thought the, uh, the, the it was finally going to start turning around when you were announced that day. I remember that. January 2012. Well, I mean, we did. We, I mean, I, I, that team wasn't very good. And it, it happened sometimes in, in franchises, and it wasn't. And, you know, to, to turn it around like we did. No, we didn't. I didn't turn it around like Sean McVay did. Uh, you know, he had a better team when he got there than we did when we got there, but we still made improvement. We went 2-14 and 14 to 7-8-1. Nobody's division wanted to play us. They, you know, I mean, our division record, I mean, I learned something a long time ago. It's not, you know, it, it, it's common sense. It's, you want to win, you better win your division. You got to build your team to have success in the division. And we did so. Each year we were getting better and more competitive in the division. I mean, the, you know, the games, you know, we did win games in Seattle. We did win games at home against the Seahawks. Now, yeah, did I have to fake a punt with two minutes left? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, did I have to fake a kick here? Yeah, that counts. But, but that we found not ways count. to win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Pete was, yeah, I saw Pete the next year against that. He goes, what do you got for us today? He goes, I can't, I can't even remember my career as long as I've been doing this for I lost to a team in the division that didn't score an offensive touchdown. <laughs> well, <laughs> your defense is better than our offense. <laughs> That's what you do. You build it for to, to to you know to win the division. Number one, and you know I thought we, we were on, on track with that. Yeah, well, the Seahawks were the kings of the division at the time, and you guys were always either right there with them or beating them. You know, so hey, you know, from one USC guy to a former USC coach, he understands the program. That's okay, yeah, yeah. I'm pulling for them, by the way. I think they got it, I think they got it going. Yeah, they do. Hey, uh, yeah. fi- final thing, because you've been so kind with your time here. Uh, and, and, again, I think St. Louisans are just grateful to, to hear from uh, from you and uh, and hear your, if anything, I think passion and understanding for, uh, for the St. Louis area and the fans here. It seems like you've taken to Twitter and understand how to play the game on Twitter. One of my favorites is uh, I'm thinking of sending something to the best guy slash gal who responds with a gif to the seven and nine, eight and eight BS old joke dudes on my thread so I don't have to. (laughs) So the seven and nine thing now, it it stands out even though, you know, I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, gone to a Super Bowl and 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 had a hell of a lot of success in his career. That that now lives in infamy from the – the the NHL or uh, the NFL uh, you know hard knocks program. Well, you know it's 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 the world we're in today. It's a social media world. It's it's you know uh, you know I made the comments because we had opened the doors and made ourselves vulnerable to hard knocks, and I made those comments during the hard knocks because I was upset with some things that had taken place that every coach gets upset about, and so that stuck with it. So to answer your question, I don't mean to interrupt you, but. You know, as I said, you know, six months ago, um, you know, I had my rear end drug across the asphalt for, for two and a half, three years on social media. 
Uh, and so I was just trying to, to be truthful and, um, you know, maybe try to move the needle a little bit because, uh, you know, and from a social media standpoint, I couldn't coach a quarterback. I couldn't win games, uh, but, you know, I must have. Either I forgot how to do it or they forgot that I did have – I did go to the Super Bowl. I did have a couple of championship games. I did have a, a co-MVP uh, as a quarterback. And I did have some 13-3 and 3 and 12-4 and 4 and 11-5 and 5 seasons. And there was a five-year span there in Tennessee where I won more games in a five-year span than, than any coach at, the, at that time. So, um, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, continuity. It's all about – uh, you know, being settled, uh, and it's all about having a plan and putting it into place. And so, you know, uh, I've done it before. Um, I didn't get to finish what I wanted to finish, but I'm, I'm okay with that. And, uh, I, you know, what's important now is I'm okay with whatever happened. I, I can look back and, yeah, there's, could I have done something different? Yeah, I might have done something different. might have gone forward on fourth and one rather than part of it here and there. But uh, most of those decisions I make are right. Uh, I learn from experience. And, um, you know, as I look back over my career, my, I have fond memories from my time in St. Louis. Difficult times, great moments. I mean, uh, there was one one, one uh, of the most unusual moments in my career came after, uh, I don't know, it was 51, 52, nothing shut out against the Raiders. And uh, we were in the middle of the Ferguson stuff and the, the social injustice and all that stuff. And it was hard when I, I found out well after the game that some of the players came out of introductions with their hands up. And, you know, I dealt with that for a couple of days. And so, you know, I have a, a, a shout out to hard to find, hard to, hard to accomplish in the National Football League. Uh, and I'm coming off the heels hours after a shutout and dealing with that. And so times have changed. But my my fondest memories uh, from a coaching standpoint, so many of them come from my short time at St. Louis with the fans, with the energy, with the, you know, they know that we were, they knew that we were going to do whatever it took to try to win a game. And sometimes they knew we were outmatched, but they never gave up on us while I was there. And I appreciate that. Well, Coach, I think people uh, appreciate hearing you say that. Uh, as you can imagine, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, a conversation between the Rams and the city of St. Louis, at least uh, not in public anyway. And uh, and I always I always thought that. I thought you went out of your way. You and Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley was only here, you know, for half of a year, really, as far as being an active player. And I always – and it's not like he's the only guy. Chris Long goes out of his way. I mean, he's a huge Blues fan. But but I thought that, especially considering you were the coach of the L.A. Rams and you were an L.A. guy and a USC guy, I th- I thought that that's why I was kind of like, man, why are people like hating on Jeff Fisher? I, I don't get it. You know, if you want to be mad, be mad. But Jeff Fisher didn't have anything to do with the team moving. So I so I think I'm glad that you got a chance here. You know, we're talking for, I think, 50 minutes or so. And, and you got a chance to expound on those thoughts because I could tell, even at, like I said, at the forum, you know, you went out of your way to, to say, you know, there was a winner here in Los Angeles and the fans here, but there are some people back in St. Louis who are sad and I want to thank them. And I thought that in that moment, I remember seeing that thing. And that's a really cool thing for him to do because if anything, that that would be, you know, a tough spot to do it in L.A. But I, I think that kind of shows the kind of guy you were. And so uh, I'm glad we had a chance to talk and, and you had a chance to expound on it here. Well, you know, uh, I'm a parent. Uh, I'm now a grandparent. And, um, you know, I remember the joy uh in my kids' eyes, now different than most because their dad was in the business. But 
uh, you know, kids have a right to to be fans and to follow a team and be passionate about it. It's what's great in this country. And and when you have a young parents with eight, ten, twelve, fourteen year old little ones that are passionate about their hometown team and players and follow them, and then all of a sudden they just vanish. It's hard. It's hard, and so I've never lost sight of that, particularly because I experienced that, like I said earlier, in the in the Houston, mm-hmm. Houston Oilers thing. It's not easy, and uh, but it's pro sports, and you know, uh, you know, it's like in life you have to adjust, and and just so you know, uh, it was sad. I was sad that somebody sent me something upset and bitter and bad, and rightfully so, understanding, but understand that you know there there were a lot of us out there that didn't have anything to do with those decisions coach thank you so much for the time i appreciate it and uh man it'd be cool to see you get another shot it really would whether it be at the college level or in the nfl it would be cool to see you get that shot well i appreciate it and my best to all the the listeners all the football fans and i know it's a there's you know for the all those high school kids in st louis that are playing there's nothing better than high school football yeah, it's that Friday night. That this game is is pure sense of all, and you know it's like that Kenny Chesney song, "The Boys of Falls." Man, put it on and listen to it on the way over to your high school stay on this Friday because it's there's it's a, it's just part of the fabric of this country. And so high school football is amazing. That's the one thing that in youth football that St. Louis has not left. It's they have not taken away from St. Louis is high school football and youth football and youth sports. So enjoy the moment. That would be my advice. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Great catching up with you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. All right. There it is. Jeff Fisher here on the Tim McKernan show. So gangster Pete, you can, you can play the voice of the people here. All right. what do you think? And you can, you can, you can include and say whatever. I was a diehard Rams fan, so them leaving hit me really hard. Second team I lost. So it was a big deal to me. And in listening to him, it sounded to me like, you know, he's a pro. Uh, He dodged a few. He got out of a few questions. You know, he didn't answer them maybe 100% truthfully, but he... So you do not think he was 100% truthful? I think he genuinely did care about, like, St. Louis fans. He doesn't want to be upset. But at the same time, I think he probably knew more than he's letting on. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can be the head coach of the team and not know more. Right. He said the way he described it, things were percolating. Right. So, I mean, at, at the same time, with and I and I said what I meant. I didn't say anything on there that I didn't mean. Um, I wouldn't do it. I did not understand the ire, or if if there still is, toward Jeff Fisher. And I, and I say that from a sincere place. And I think I, this might be an unpopular sentiment, especially as a St. Louisan. But that's how I, I just, I was just like, why, why are people mad at Fisher? Like, what uh, is, I was I, never I, mad at Fisher. Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying you are. Yeah, but, but, know. You know, but you are aware there are some oh, St. Yeah, Louis Rams fans who are. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, to I was disagreeing with you. I think that's misplaced anger because it's not his idea to yeah. move the team. Um, the thing that I, if, if, one of the things that, that got people fired up was his interview, which we brought up with uh, DeMarco Farr and Keyshawn Johnson. Now, this is in Los Angeles. I know DeMarco Farr was on the radio at 101 ESPN here, but this is he's relocated to Los Angeles. And Fisher said, I was very fortunate to have some options. I decided on L.A. or St. Louis at the time, knowing that there was going to be a pending move. 
More importantly, I took the job because of Stan and because we had a quarterback in Sam Bradford. That's how you win in this league with a good owner and a good quarterback. So Stan gave me the opportunity to answer your question. I'm disappointed, but I didn't win enough games. I get that part. That's when he's asked about him getting fired in Los Angeles. And I read that, and that was supposed to be like a smoking gun moment for some people. Now, and, and, and we don't know. I mean, I asked him about it, and you heard his answer. Um, but I thought when he said that, and I'm just being honest, and I'm reading this quote, by the way, from uh, a Post-Dispatch article written on December 28, 2016, and the headline is, Jeff Fisher knew in 2012 that Kroenke was moving to L.A., and I read that, and I don't take it that way. Now, that doesn't mean that he did not, okay? It just does not to me, if I'm an attorney, or excuse me, if I'm a judge, that I would say, yes, that that wraps it up. Because I can see that being, at the very least he can say, but I can see it being him misspeaking. Um, when he says, I decided on L.A. or St. Louis at the time, knowing that there was going to be a pending move. Well, he didn't say no that they were going to be moving, no that there was going to be a pending move. Now, in St. Louis at the time, I can tell you, because we did the show the day after that press conference. And I recall, we started off the show, and I said to Doug, I can picture in the studio, the old Webster Grove Studios, and I said to Doug, I said, what's your takeaway from the Jeff Fisher press conference? And his answer was, the Rams are going to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> and I go, that's where I am too. It's like, it's over. Now, this is January of 2012. It took four years. But that's, that's what my takeaway, and it had nothing to do with what Jeff Fisher said, Stan Kroenke, that was his last appearance publicly in St. Louis. And it, to me, I'm like, oh my God, he's moving. So now does that mean that Jeff Fisher knew? No. Does that mean Jeff Fisher didn't know? No. All I can do is ask the questions. And I cited Cortland Finnegan, who said, to revisit these quotes, regarding the Rams moving from, St. Louis to LA. Not surprised. I knew it was coming two or three years ago. They had already said it was going to happen. We knew. He said that two or three years ago. I think that's the reason he stuck with it because he knew. Because they knew they were going to make that transition to LA. It's Cortland Finnegan um, who spent two seasons with the Rams in St. Louis before he was released. He said Jeff Fisher was aware all along that the franchise would be heading to the West Coast. Um, if so, So what do I think? What do I think? I think he knew that it was highly likely in the final season. Do I think he knew they were going to move in 2012 on that one? I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, and people go, well, then, then he lied or whatever. It, it, put yourself in his position. What's he going to do? I mean, I am asking the questions and I'm citing quotes to back up that he can address his own words or a former player who was with him in both Tennessee and St. Louis. And, um, and all he can do is, is answer, and all I can do is follow up. But here's here's my thought process. He wants to coach again in the NFL, and he's not interested in, in saying something where they go, I'm never hiring this guy again. He's been blackballed. So um, that's my that's my thought. Gangster Pete, any other thoughts on, on that particular part? Because that's that's to me. No, that's, I mean, that's I, me I think to... you nailed it. I agree. He's, he's looking out for his future interests. I, I, but I also do think truly that, and I, th and I thought it was, I, I, if anything, it's a compliment. If anything, I thought that, um, he went out of his way a couple different times after they had moved to thank the fans of St. Louis and to express his, which really surprised me because it's not like he was beloved here. I don't know who would have been considering the record, but 
you know, I mean, from my standpoint, if, if you didn't pick up on it in January of 2012 with Cronkies press conference, um, then the Todd Gurley pick was just like, I mean, that's just like, that's Teddy KGB in the Oreo. I mean, well, he's not going to be available to play for the first half of the year. And then we hope he can play for the second half of the year, but let's get us a, a very exciting player that when we go to Los Angeles, that's what in parentheses, that's how I took it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think to give a quick synopsis on what I actually think happened in general with the whole situation is Stan Kroenke knew one or the other, at the very least, he was going to get a great deal from St. Louis and he'd be gold here, or he'd be able to pick up and move to Los Angeles. One or the other, when he exercised his right of first refusal, uh, and then blocking Shad Khan at the last minute, which he had every right to do. We can be upset about it, but he had every right to do it. And he either wasn't going to get the deal here or he knew he was going to move the team to Los Angeles, whatever the case was. Then he finds the land in June of 2013 per Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times. He's driving around Inglewood early in the morning. And I'm not talking about like eight. I'm talking about five in the morning and calls Kevin Demoff to say he found the land. It's not like it's a small area. I visited it. Um, it's a monster area. Uh just to like, it's right next to the forum. It's Hollywood, Hollywood park. And now it's, you know, now it's a stadium. But when I was out there, they were taking down Hollywood park and it's a monster. Area. And I thought when I got there, I'm like, Oh, this is a perfect place to put a stadium. And then I visited Carson, California, which is uh, to the South and where the chargers and Raiders place was supposed to have been. And I got there and I go, is it, that's, is it, they're not building a stadium here. And I went, remember going to the security guy cause we were getting a tour with the mayor of Carson. And, uh, and the security guy goes, what are you here for? And I go, I'm here to see the stadium site. He goes, this isn't a stadium site. This is a landfill. And I go, I don't know. They're telling me it's a stadium site. It's where I'm supposed to meet the mayor. What do you want me to do? And they gave us a tour of it. And, I, and I'm driving around it going, I mean, I guess. But the thing next to the forum was clearly a stadium site. And I did that in October of 15. And then I met with the mayor of San Diego and did an interview with him and, uh, and we were getting mic'd up and we were just kind of BSing and he goes, how are things up, uh, in Inglewood and Carson? I said, I got to tell you, I think Carson's a bluff. And he goes, and he just kind of to himself, this was not when we were doing the interview, we were just talking. Uh, he goes, yeah, I trust your instincts on that one. I go, I, just, I mean, to me, it's just like, it's, it's obvious. So here's what I think. What do you think? I think, what do you, do you care? what I think, I don't know if you do, but here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think that once Kroenke found the land and the, the NFL knew that they had a person who could privately fund it, that it was going to happen. And they didn't see St. Louis putting up a fight. And then all of a sudden St. Louis put up a fight and they're like, Oh my God, what are we going to do here? Now we have to act like we have to follow our guidelines. So we do the town halls, which meant absolutely nothing. Wow. Was that something else? What an effing show that was. Uh, and I went to the ones in Oakland and San Diego. Um, and of course, as when it's all said and done, all three cities lost their franchises and yet Eric Grubman handling that. And that was, wow, God. Um, and so I thought it was, they're just, they're just acting like that. They're, well, they have to act like they're following their guidelines for antitrust purposes. That's what I think is going on. And so St. Louis puts up a fight. The thing that I still can't figure out, and I know there's got to be a reason for it. And it might be as simple as, well, that was the old money. And this was a new money victory in the NFL. But the committee that was supposed to decide who got to move to Los Angeles voted 
for the Carson project, five to one. <laughs> and then they voted to move on the Inglewood project. And I still don't know what that was about. I still don't, it, it, it could, it could simply, it could be as simple as, well, we don't like Stan Kroenke and we're the old money and we don't want to see the new money take over. We don't want Jerry Jones and we don't want, you know, take your pick of whatever new money guys get to call the shots in this thing. And so that's our vote, you know. And who was Gangster Pete trivia? Who was the one who voted for Inglewood in the, on that uh, committee? Uh, was it Hunt? Yes. Yeah. Kansas City. Um, do with that what you want. But either way, uh, that's that's the that's the one thing that I feel like I haven't been able to piece together on this. Other than that, other than that, as much as many of us would love to hear Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff deposed, um, my guess is he will just continue to cut checks to avoid any discovery. That's my guess. But that's what I think happened, that they, that they were caught off guard that St. Louis actually launched an effort. And then there was a story in the Los Angeles Times just yesterday, as a matter of fact, that that stadium, remember it was supposed to be two, two and a half billion? It's now five. Five. <laughs> I believe that. And he only would have had to put $250 million in for this one. But he, and it's, so therefore, financially, it just doesn't add up. It actually does not add up. But he wanted to be the king of L.A., and he did it. And the NFL wanted somebody to be able to privately fund it. And there aren't a lot of guys who could do that. So there you go. So if his stadium now costs twice as much as it was initially projected, imagine what it's like for him to just peel off another 100 or 200 million to make these things go away. That's a, that's that, that sums it up and and there's my assessment. And as far as why Jeff Fisher answered it, maybe that's what he really experienced. In my opinion, he has to handle it that way. And as much as I don't like it, uh I get it. So, you know, and by I don't like it, I wish he would have just come cleaning on, yeah, and they were doing this, and they were packing up boxes in November. And then remember when Demoff said, fortunately or unfortunately, we fell out of the playoff race and how that made me feel, especially when they whacked me 10 days after I signed a two-year extension? Yeah, it really pissed me off. And his dad was my agent. Marvin Demoff was my agent. Can't stand him, and I hate seeing what's going on now, and there's nothing more that I want as another NFL job so I can go and beat the hell out of the Rams. That's what I would have liked. But did I expect it? No. We officially gave our odds before the interview, 50-50 that he is available at, at, at 1030 and 50-50 that he will talk about relocation. So he the 50-50 that he was available obviously comes in. Did he talk about relocation? Yes. Did he talk about it to the extent that we wanted him to or hoped, I suppose? No. But you got to hear the questions and uh, now you got to hear Jeff Fisher's answers. So, uh, tip of the cap to Iggy and Gangster Pete for getting him on the program. And tip of the cap to Coach Fisher for coming on. I, I mean, 15 minutes before 1030 when he was supposed to be calling in or we were calling him or what was going on, I go into Iggy in, in his office and I go, does he know that this is a St. Louis station? Does he know that we're not like going, hey, tough loss for USC against BYU. What do you think so far on the Rams, you know, winning over the Saints and Aaron Donald and Drew Brees? Like, this is what we're going to talk about? Yeah, I told him, you know. All right, fair enough. So he came on and he answered the questions. Now, if you tell early on, or he said something along the lines of, there's no reason to really rehash the relocation thing. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't going to happen. We had to go through that. And I had to ask him on that. And I would, uh, you know, love to hear someday what really happened. I don't know if that day will ever come. I don't know if that day will ever come. I, I really do think it's as simple as St. Louis isn't going to put up a fight. Stan's got the money to build it on his own. And we can go back to Los Angeles and we won't be exposed legally. 
because they're not even putting up a fight, which is part of the deal, and the arbitrator arbitration process already ruled in favor of the Rams. So we're good to go, and we've got the land, and away we go. And if Dean wants a place, he can be Stan's tenant, and whatever goes on with Mark Davis and the Raiders, whatever. That's that's the that's the the ship at sea that we just kind of let float around. That's what I think it was. And then St. Louis put up a fight, and then all of a sudden it caused a, caused them to have to do the song and dance with the town halls and act like that there was a vote. But again, why the five to one vote? You can you can give your theories. Uh, you can always email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Coach Jeff Fisher. We appreciate our sponsors making it all possible. The HomeLoanExpert.com, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and our guests are always presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And finally, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Chevy, find new roads. All right, for Gangster Pete, for AGM, Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network.